Welcome to the Housewife of Horrors podcast. Welcome to the Housewife of Horrors podcast. I am your housewife, Regina, and this is our kickoff show for the podcast where we are going to discuss all things horror, uh, unsolved mysteries, true crime, creepy pastas, horror movies. If it's scary, let's talk about it. And I am here today uh, with my trusty co-host here. He won't be with us all the time, but he's here to help ease me through my first podcasting. <laughs> that's that's a wonderful way to introduce me. Is I'm barely ahead of you by a bit, but I'll take all that you praise you want to give. Uh, greetings, all. I'm uh, evil from a three B video. Of course, you can find it on me on the Slashing Cast Podcast Network, Deep Cut Podcast, or three B video on YouTube. But I am more or less here just to listen to whatever in the world this housewife of horror is going to tell me. So she's going to tell me some tales, and I'm just going to be uh, all ears. So uh, housewife Regina of horrors, you didn't want to mess with an introduction episode and tell people what you're going to be doing. You just kind of wanted to just jump off and go into a case. So well, what kind of case you... We can you... do a few minutes about, you know, me or what this is going to be about. I um, think I think that wouldn't be a bad idea. Who are you? And what uh, do you do? Okay, I'm Housewife Regina, and when I am not researching all things horror, I do abandoned uh, photography, and I write books about historical uh, and abandoned places. Um have you done any books on, on said topic? It's funny you bring that up, Evil. Uh, I have just finished book four and five, and I am in the editing process, and those will be out later this year. So way more professional than anything I've ever done. Uh, but I'm totally a virgin to podcasting. I mean, I've joined you on your podcast on your channel from time to time, but I am, I am merely just the person that shows up and interjects a funny <laughs> comment here and there. So now the roles are reversed, and now I get to do that on your show, which I'm only about 20-something episodes ahead of you on, on my podcast, which is just talking straight-up horror movies and uh, and deciphering them into goofy and ridiculous ways. But uh, you're going to do much more than that on this uh, on this podcast you got here, so... Well, I really like researching the abandoned places that I go to. I will fall down a rabbit hole of days of just trying to find out what a place used to be, uh, <laughs> the dates of you know when it was in business or a school or whatever. And this so, is stuff you do for fun. This yeah, is before you even got into. I suggested like you should do a podcast, my dear, because this is stuff you like doing just for uh, your own amusement. And I was like, you need to tell these stories. Well, I do have a case that I've been kind of, it's one that I've loved for a long time since Ooh. I was a young kid. I remember back in like the late 80s watching some Unsolved Mysteries with my mom and there was a local case. When I say local, we are in the Kansas City area, so there is a local case, Unsolved, might I add. Ooh. And, um, we're going to finish it today. We're going to crack the case. I don't know if we're going to do that. Um, we I, are We are going to solve this case right here and now. Pilot episode, we are solving this mystery case right here and now. 
Uh, w one can hope, but it's probably not going to happen. So this is the case over Sharon Kinney. Sharon um, Kinney. Yes, and she holds a couple of interesting titles. She is not only a multiple murderer, but she is the subject of the longest currently outstanding arrest warrant for murder in Kansas City history. Which is how long? Um, this say? all went down in the 60s, so we'll, so we'll get to that. Time of and love. It, it, she has one of the longest outstanding, outstanding felony warrants in American history. Really? Yes, and what? this all no. went down when she was in her 20s. Oh, man. So, Sharon Kinney was born on November 30th, 1939. She's also known, we'll get into her aliases uh, like in more detail as the story She's goes on. aliases? Yes, she does. She has two. One is Jeanette. I'm totally going to ruin Jeanette. this last name, this last name, but Jeanette Pugilese. I'm Jeanette Pugilese. And in Mexico, she's known as La Pistarella. Ooh, that's way better. Like, that, she should just stick with La Pistarella. I'm probably totally masquerading that beautiful Hispanic word for probably, uh, let's see, pistol. There's an A on the end, so it's probably like a female who shoots people. Or she's a, a luchador wrestler, because that is, that is an awesome name. She should just dump the rest of those names and just use that. So, uh, but that's only in Mexico. She's known as that. And only in Mexico. And we'll get to the whole Mexican part of this like in I, a bit. <laughs> like, what What did she do to drive her out of the Kansas City area all the way down to Mexico? Uh, well, we will get to that, Evil. Um, so, anyway, like I said, born in 39. She was born in Independence uh, when she was a young kid. I know I'm not exactly sure when they moved to Washington State, but she was back here by the age of 15. Um, and no then, word on what, what her parents did? Was it parents' work that caused them to go I, I there believe and back? so. I'm not sure. But shortly after moving back, uh, she was 15 when she came back, like I said. But then she, the summer of 1956, Sharon is 16, and she meets her first husband. Well, I don't, I don't want to say first husband because it makes it sound like there's going to be a second and third. <laughs> this is the name of my first dead husband. Okay, so she meets her first husband, James Kenny. Um, they met when she was, like I said, 16. He was 22. Sounds um, right, yeah. This was the 50s, so I think things were a little different then. Trolling the uh, high schools when you're 20 was uh, still charming, I guess, in the 50s, 60s. Their relationship would be fast like as in things that happened in their relationship like marriage kids blah 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 that will did, all happen fast and but in a short amount of time did marriage happen before kids or did kids force a marriage because this I'm, this is that time frame where it's like i'm thinking because one of her children she has three and I couldn't find exact dates of all their births, so I basically went off of, like, old archive newspapers uh, to and then, like, kind of based it off dates and how old they said the kids were in these said articles. So their first kid is Dana. No, uh, Dana! And she was born in 1957, so, like, they probably got pregnant wedding night, got married... A bit later, bam, here comes Dana in oh, 1957. So, so it's conceivable that they conceived post-marriage. I mean, 
It's, what do you think? I, because I totally feel like the, I think that they were dating. Well, and see, I don't know because there's some details that are going to come out later about her and pregnancies that mm. I don't want to get into right this minute. Uh, but she pulls it with this guy and she pulls it with another guy. Oh. I'll, cat's out of the bag when I say I that she pulls this, but she pulls the pregnancy card a couple times. So who knows, like, if she actually the, was pregnant when they were just dating and that got him to marry her and then they had the kid. Wow. So, she, mean, so she's 16 and she's... Scandalous already. Sc yeah, she's she's scamming the 20-year-old. What a dumbass he is, must be. So, <laughs> anyway, um, then before 1960 and after 1957 comes their second child, I couldn't find... Once again, an exact date about this. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I know it's before 1950, uh, before 1960 because there's an event that takes place in 1960. We just haven't gotten there yet. Oh. So their son, Troy, was born at this point. Well, then March 1960 comes along. James is 25. He's shot in the back of the head. Whoa. He's like totally sleeping in bed. Shot in the back of the head. Was she cleaning the gun next to the bed? He Okay, this is where <laughs> this story is a serious onion. We are just going to oh. peel these layers, and it's going to be layers of bullshit. I mean, I was like, how onion uh, deep could it be if it, he's in bed, he's shot. He clearly didn't do anything to, to provoke said thing. So what's the what's the story here? What, what, happened, what happened to James? Why did after uh, three kids, and she's like, Two kids. Two kids. The third one doesn't come along quite yet. Okay. And it's not James's because he's dead at this point. <laughs> From so, the gunshot to the back of the head while he's asleep. So she claims when the cops showed up, she claims that James allowed their two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old Dana, to play with guns. And that's why this child is familiar with how to use and play with guns. And that she... Dana, the two-year-old, shot him in the head. What do we know? What type of gun it was? It was a twenty-two caliber target pistol. Now, here from an archive uh, newspaper from nineteen. Let's see, where is my source? So this is kind of from nineteen sixty-five, and they're recapping all the murders. Uh, I, I'm really letting so many details out of the bag, but I gotta follow this timeline. Well, clearly, so anyway, clearly she's up to no good. From this article, what it says is the deputies found Kenny on the bed, uh, James Kenny, shot in the back of the head with the 22. Uh, when Sergeant Browning uh, arrived on the scene, um, let's see. She said that uh, she heard her daughter saying, show me this, daddy, show me this. And that's the exact quote from the newspaper. And then she heard a shot. She ran into the bedroom. And, of course, he is dead on the bed. And this two-year-old apparently has murdered her father. <laughs> You're next, mom. Of course, the police, they're not buying any of this, but they can't disprove her at this point. So they're like... Okay, cool. Yeah, the two-year-old shot him. We'll kind of be moving on from this. So, from there, he doing shot... Are the, the, the cops doing the jerk-off motion the entire time? Like, yeah, the two-year-old did this. So, okay. But they can't prove anything at this point, so, of course, you know that <laughs> they're is, getting an investigation together. We're not even to the 1970s yet. We can't prove any of the things through 
shit we can prove in the 2000s. Well, um, I meant to look this up and I totally forgot. There's a factoid in here I forgot. But two months later, in May of 1960, Sharon is newly single and um, she kind of has a boyfriend. We'll get into that guy here in a minute. But then when she gets this $29,000 worth of insurance money from uh, James's death, she goes out and buys herself a brand new Thunderbird. Wait, so are are they silently still investigating her? They just yeah. This is all like in like these two murders happen like back to back. But so so she, dude dude gets shot. Cops show up. She's like, fucking kid did it. And are they just like cool case closed and move on? Or are they like no? They like there's okay. still an investigation going. So but, they just let all this stuff so keep. They have no evidence. You can't arrest somebody without evidence. So they're getting their they're getting their case together. They're but I working mean, their fucking police magic. But I mean, I feel like you could still arrest her on just suspicion, and the entire trial could just be like, "Come on." I mean, okay. Anyway, that didn't happen. <laughs> okay. Despite what you want. Anyway. That is what. I want. So like two months later, she's got this insurance money. She's like newly single. You said it was twenty nine thousand. Yes, she got twenty nine thousand dollars. So I don't know what that is like what it would be today i will try to inflate that and then what is our year 2021 no what is the oh. year what, that year i know <laughs> what year we're in now it's 1960 at this point <laughs> okay so anyway when she's at this car lot buying this thunderbird she meets walter jones who is 23 at the time and he's married to a lady named patricia who is also 23 anyway so she has this car. She sees Walter. She's like, oh, my God, he's so hot. Maybe she said it. Maybe she didn't. But she keeps coming back into the shop with these, like, minor things of, oh, my car needs a tune-up. Oh, my car needs this. Oh, my car <laughs> shimmying. Blah, blah, blah. Well, all this tune-up. reasons to come back. Right. All these bullshit reasons eventually result in, like, lunch dates. Then they start dating. Mm. So now she's dating this married man, and she has... Another boyfriend, but we'll get to him in a hot minute. Okay, so our our inflation calculator tells us that she uh, picked up roughly $263,000. Okay, yeah, that, I mean, that sounds like a hell of a motive to me. Um, <laughs> I know, we know people that have killed for less. <laughs> okay, so the hubby of The Patricia, married hubby. Yes, uh, Walter I'm sure he's probably, like, feeling guilty at (laughs) this this point. And he tries to, like, break it off with her. But here comes the pregnancy card. She's like, oh, "Oh, I'm pregnant. You know, I want to marry you, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I'm already married, and I don't want to marry you. So, Sharon at this time... Does she hire the two-year-old for another job? (laughs) uh, No, but... Sharon basically calls up the wife, Patricia, and pulls some more bullshit. She claims that when she's talking to Patricia, she's like, well, Walter's sleeping with my sister. We need to talk. We need to meet up. Meet me here at such and such place. So Patricia goes to meet Sharon to talk about this sister when it's really Sharon herself sleeping with him. While her and Patricia go for this ride, Patricia is never seen again. 
We'll get to what happened here in a minute. But Patricia is never seen again. This is when um, this is when the other boyfriend comes into play. His name is I'm probably gonna massacre this last name too, but John Boldiz, B O L D I Z S. Boldiz. So later that night, Johnny B. <laughs> yeah. So later that night, her and Johnny B are actually after uh, Patricia went missing. They joined the search party. And she's acting like, oh, my God, I hope we can find her. You know, we, we have to find her. And, of course, that's, that's always she, she one takes of, him in every direction but where the body uh, is. I say that's like one of the, that's one of those goofy serial killer, like, weird tropes is the person that's overly, like. Uh, Let's start in, a search party. Yeah, overly enthusiastic to find the, find the real killer kind of thing. Okay, so then. After they go searching, it's been a long day. She's like, let's go to make-out point. <laughs> Man, I'd like to do more after a long day of searching for someone that I may or may not have had my two-year-old murder. Okay, so this is where some of my research kind of starts to get a little convoluted. because Sketchy, hazy. Right. So Factoids are a little little. When they foggy. talk about where they went... All it is referred to is, uh, it is described as either Quarry Lane, a wooded area, or Lover's Lane. It took me digging, and I found this 1960 article. It's actually not even an article. It is a picture, and it is a paragraph under the picture. And they give us a location of, they were the... The body was found uh, west of Phelps Road, a mile southeast of Independence. And when looking at Phelps Road on a GPS, it cut like 40 Highway cuts through Phelps Road. And north of 40 Highway, like Phelps Road, is all houses now. Like it's subdivision after subdivision up there. Back then, but it was probably you, all just. Well, hold on, I'm not done. Oh. You go south of 40 Highway. There's a few scattered houses here and there, but it is still a shit ton of wooded area out there. So I'm thinking it's probably like the south part of Phelps Road that they were up at this Lover's Lane. But anyway, so they get to this Lover Lane that's west of Phelps Road. This is her and Johnny B. Yeah, her and Johnny B. They're up there. She starts, they start their little snuggling. She pulls this, looking out the window. What's that over there? He clicks on the light and she goes, Oh my God. Oh no. That looks like that friend of mine that went missing. She had on the same dress. She's playing all sweet and innocent, pointing out, you know, that her friend that went missing that they were looking for earlier was wearing this same dress. Johnny B jumps out of the car, rushes over to the body, realizes, holy shit, she's dead. He jumps back in the car and is like, we got to call the cops. She's like, cool, you can call the cops, but I wasn't with you. So then the cops get involved. They're up there. He dimes her out in a second. He's like, <laughs> I was up here with Sharon Kinney, and, the, you know, we was snuggling. She points out, hey, what's that over there? The cat's out of the bag at this point. Well, so then. I have no idea what her, like, 
mindset is at this moment. It's kind of like those serial killers that return to the scene of the crime. That's what I'm thinking. Like she but then, took, that's she not like took she's... him anywhere but there. But then they go there after hours. She's got this, you know, babe in the woods act going on with, what's that? Oh, my God. But, I mean, it doesn't sound like she's going there to relive it. I mean, that's, that's what most. She wants it to be discovered. Why? I don't know. What? <laughs> like why? Why bother getting like let if why dump it out there and then go out there if you wanted it to be found? So anyway, the cops of course question her. They've already got suspicions because of two months earlier, James <laughs> getting shot shot in the head. No, that was a two year old that did that. We put that two year old behind bars. We'll just say that he was shot in the head and leave it at that for this <laughs> moment. But she's questioned. She admits. She straight up admits, yeah, I, you know, saw her earlier that day. We talked about some stuff, and, you know, that was that was the end of that. Of course, now, she admits to seeing her. Nobody else can, you know, say, oh, yeah, I hung out with her after this time frame. So Sharon is the last one in the timeline to see Patricia alive. They, of course, at this point... Let her point, go free. <laughs> they charge her... Um, now they charge her? Yes, they charge her for Patricia's murder. Then upon further, Then upon further investigation, there's new evidence, and she is charged with James's murder. Ooh. So she's got, like, two charges all, like, going down right now. So Ooh. I, I told you there's an investigation. They didn't oh. just take the word that, yeah, the two-year-old okay. did it. <laughs> What's the new evidence? Was it the two-year-old's confession? <laughs> he was hired by the mom? Yeah. So then... Now we're at June 1961. It's Patricia's trial. She's getting booked for first-degree murder. And I had to do a lot of research into this because there's some shit that comes up in the trial, and it's like, what the hell is that supposed to mean? But we'll get to that. <laughs> two utes. What does it mean? Two utes. Um, so, okay. The trial goes down. She's acquitted of Patricia's murder. And I actually kind of wanted to know. I thought I knew, but I wanted to be 100% sure what exactly acquitted means. And I always kind of figured it's like, well, you're not guilty, but you ain't innocent either. Like, they couldn't really prove it. Was she able to use her uh, her uh, insurance money she claimed on the first dead husband to purchase this lawyer to, or did she get a public defender or is that something that we know because <clears throat> it sounds like things are pretty stacked up so it sounds like she would have to have a pretty cochran level lawyer so it's like is she using that money to purchase a good lawyer i don't know about that okay um i didn't really find a whole lot of lawyer details but anyway an acquittal signifies that the prosecutor failed to prove his or her case beyond reasonable doubt uh. not that the defendant is innocent so basically he kind of proved it but there was like that one or two pieces of evidence or something that just it interjected reasonable doubt and reasonable doubt will get you off every time because it gives it this element of well what if yes so if there's doubt is it 100% sure that she did it Right, there when we go. In doubt, get the bitch out. So, hold on. There's like crazy shit going on during this trial. I kind of just give you the cliff notes. During this trial, yes. Um, like at some point, I'm not exactly sure if it was like before, during, or right after the trial because after this trial starts another trial. 
um, she gives birth to her second daughter, third child, Marla. During the trial? I don't know if this is uh, Patricia's husband, Walter. I don't know if this is Walter's baby or Johnny B's baby. It's the first husband's baby. I don't know whose baby this is. but Zombaby. And that baby was born somewhere around 1962-ish? 61, 62? Because the trial started in 61, and then the other trials started at the beginning of 62, which now we're getting to that. Um actually when a uh, when Sharon was found was acquitted of Patricia's murder the fucking courtroom erupted in cheering and applause and one of the jurors this <laughs> is no bullshit Patricia's dead Woo! no uh, <laughs> from that same uh, newspaper article from October 24th 1965 they said that even one of the jurors asked Sharon for her autograph in which she obliged. So she's kind of like a local celebrity. She's like a black widow. She's killing her fucking rival. She's having kids. She's got money. And apparently a schmoozer because she won over an entire town jury, even to a point of an autograph. With I wonder, is that autograph still out there? Who has it? Who can get us this autograph? What's it worth today? If you out there have this autograph, we need Okay, so we need to know the story. Her legal troubles are far from over at this point. We're now at January 1962, and the trial for her husband has started. The first trial, might I add, um, in which she was convicted and given a life sentence, but it was overturned because of, quote, procedural irregularities. That's what the hell what, does that mean? That's exactly what leads me to my next, from the same article. This article from 1965 has, like, everything you need to know about this whole case. Even, you know, some, you know, salacious details and stuff. Ooh, I do like salacious details. Okay, so, she had, um... She liked a snowball. She, uh, because the state, uh at the outset of her trial had waived the death penalty so basically they took death penalty off before the trial of her husband started Does that, doesn't that make it easier somehow to well, go hold through on. with the trial I think that might have something to do with jury selection because it says here only 34 prospective jurors were called the defense contended that there should have been 47 to give Miss Kinney her full 20 preemptory, uh, preemptory, I can't say that word. Preemptivory. Yes, <laughs> challenges. And the Supreme Court agreed. So I'm thinking that the procedural irregularities was because the death penalty was taken off the table. They didn't call as many jurors. So I guess they just didn't get a wide enough net of what they felt would be a even and fair jury so basically like a version of fred krueger's uh, technicality as opposed to a short search warrants getting signed in the wrong place right she just basically some, got just off some on clerical bullshit right and oh might i gosh. add the whole jury was all white men well there you go right there so she managed to beguile <laughs> this jury of men you think so, she was doing the Kathleen Turner thing, like just with their fucking skirt underneath the table? Just <laughs> I've never seen Beverly <laughs> Sutphin in my life. 
So from there, she's been acquitted. She's got these three kids. She's now done. Uh, she's at this first trial. She gets fucking life in jail. But they overturn that because of some jury stuff. Which I, I, I have to believe that her insurance money bought an awesome lawyer because that sounds like some absolute like aha we have this like that's something everyone else would totally I think overlook a, a, a public defender I feel would overlook the shit out of that but a dude that you're gonna pay insane coin for will find these fucking little tidbit reasons to to just dismantle everything well she goes on to have a second trial that ends in a mistrial it, it what happens there a mistrial could be a juror was talking about it to somebody and that will throw out a whole case so that means they got to scrap the whole thing they got to find all new jury start all this process over again which brings us to trial number three it happened in uh july 1964 so from in a matter of like a year and a half two years just about two and a half years just about um, she has now been tried three times, and that third trial ended in a hung jury. So, like, half of the mm. jury was like she did it, half of it was like she didn't. Um, hung jury. So now they have to... Um, she is released at this point, um, and before her fourth trial was to start in <laughs> October of that same year, 1964... She flees to Mexico with her boyfriend from Chicago, a hairdresser named Francis Samuel Pugalese, which this now comes one of her aliases, Jeanette Pugalese, or Pugalese, however you pronounce that. My apologies for slaughtering that. She hooks so, up with Frankie. So her and Frankie, P, they head on down to Mexico for a few days, uh, or what he thinks might be a few days, uh, when they talked about them going down there, they mentioned it as they traveled. Uh, traveled and fleeing, I think, are two different things, but I think I'm arguing so, semantics at this point. So I may have just completely missed this, but how did she get in contact with this guy again now? Did, do we have a an origin story on this relationship? Of course. So, okay, so now husband's dead. Yeah. I totally glazed over... Uh, I tried she's, to find out when she met this hairdresser. He's I, a hairdresser? Yeah, I told you he's a Chicago hairdresser Chicago named Samuel hair Francis Pugilese. So I'm guessing he's in town. She's like... Sammy Frank. She's coming off of this acquittal of Patricia. She's kind of a celebrity. Maybe she gets her hair done in her Frankie P. Her and so. Frankie P start talking. The trial, number two, number three happens. She's, you know, mistrial, hung jury right before the shit hits the fan for the fourth trial they end up taking off to mexico did she take off with the with the kids or is she no the kids were left with other people uh they say who uh, but that's i don't want this to sound callous but the children aren't an important detail to the story at this point <laughs> fuck the kids um, i'm fine with that <laughs> so she's not even in mexico she's been there three days the urge to kill comes back. She's like this hairdresser. She finds out the hairdresser is 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 just just ripe for a, a bullet to the head. Uh, just about. <laughs> okay, so she's in Mexico and she meets this guy named Francisco Paradis Oradones. Francisco. And I'm, once again, 
I'm probably slaughtering that name, and what my is, apologies for doing that. What does so. Francisco do? So Francisco is a Mexican-American gentleman who is vacationing down there. Ooh. Um, Kevin's so, like, what did Walter do again? Walter was a... Uh, I don't know what the hell Walter did. <laughs> we don't know what the hell Walter did. We got an auto mechanic, a hairdresser. She's, she's starting to sound like the chick from So I Married an Axe Murder. Where's the Russian martial arts expert? Okay, so in this same article from 1956, 65, my bad, uh, she said that she had met him in a bar and had left the place with him because he offered to show her some pictures. In another statement, she said she became ill and he offered to drive her to her hotel room but took her to his motel room instead. She admitted shooting the man asserting that he had made advances towards her and apparently she said that she was just too scared and it was self-defense and she shot him in the back twice then a hotel employee <laughs> this poor guy um <laughs> i just come from my deep delivering the bags bang bang in the back uh it doesn't i can't find his first name but uh oh here Enrique Martinez, a hotel employee. Enrique Martinez. He's getting ready. You know, he hears gunshots. He's like, holy shit, what's going on? Who's got firecrackers? Let me check this out. He goes there right after, you know, bang, bang. She shoots him in the back. Enrique shows up. He gets shot in the arm. Um, <laughs> he ends up to live to tell about it. And she is a, he is awarded restitutions. 12,000 pesos, which is about $1,000 at that time. Uh, I don't know if he ever got that money, but... Um, He's the 1,000 peso man. Um, the hotel, the poor hotel employee got shot in all this. <laughs> so, of course, the Mexican police show up. They're doing their investigation. They find the gun, and guess what? It's the same gun that killed James Kenny. So she is tried and convicted in a Mexican court. She gets 10 years. And then I don't know exactly what this entails, but the details weren't really given. They just said that after a judicial review, they tacked on additional three years to her, <clears throat> to her sentence. So now she's serving 13 years in a Mexican prison. Do we, uh... So she shoots dude in the back. Do you think... When uh, the hotel guy showed up hearing the noises, do you think she meant to kill him too? Or do you think it was just like... I think that was a wrong place, wrong time. I think he was too diligent of an employee and was like, I need to check on this. I'm sorry, I'm a hotel employee. I hear gunshots. I'm but, not... But do you think when he came... Do you think like he came through the door and she was just like so like adrenaline-fueled from from popping this guy in the back twice like she just here's the door open she just ah turn and fires or you think she sees that and like has a mini panic moment she's like you can't know about this and tries to you know pop him too i don't think it was a kill all witnesses scenario i think that just a reactionary I, thing to, i think it was i think that uh you think she's a crack shot if she wanted to kill him because like, if i wanted to kill you i could have at this point, with as many people as she is shot, but she keeps but shooting everybody multiple times. Like do Patricia, we, she was shot four times. I was gonna say, I was like, we didn't really. Uh, I don't. I don't 
recall hitting on what exactly killed Patricia. Oh, I'm sorry. I totally glazed over that. Yeah, Patricia was shot four times four in, times. like, the stomach. Blah. Painful. So I'm thinking that so the heard. day she went up and, you know, had this phone call, she's like, hey, Patricia, my sister's doing your man. Let's go for a drive. I think she went up to this lover's lane point west of Phelps Road, blasted on her four times. Psych, it's me. Pop, 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 pop. And then left her there to die. And then, of course, the search party takes place. Uh, Sharon takes, you know, Johnny B everywhere but Makeout Point. Then later that night, let's get snuggly, discover a body, boom, bada, bing, here we are now. So, okay, so she didn't dump, necessarily dump that body there. So it could have been like she, maybe she thinks she's haunted by this shit. Like, uh, <laughs> like maybe she thinks Patricia's out there going, you killed me. I don't think she thought that because the conversation of my sister sleeping with your man, the car ride the search party the snuggling up at lover's lane and the discovery of the body is all in the same day yeah i'm i'm, I'm just more but like no but... i don't think she's worried about ghosts <laughs> at this point i think she wanted i don't know why some killers want the bodies to be discovered so they'll throw out a little clue to the cops and be like hey look here hey anonymous note hey anonymous call <laughs> she was mm. one of those people who because when they're all snuggling and making out, why she's like, what's that? She could have just continued making out in the dark without bringing any attention to you, Patricia in the yellow dress. Uh, not to put you in the spot, but do you think you could uh, make out with a corpse that you had murdered earlier that day? No, I'm... from the car. <laughs> no, I'm not a sociopath <laughs> or a narcissist. Uh, so I definitely think that uh, I would probably be packing my bags and trying to lay low something. I'm not going to make out point to point out a body. <laughs> West of uh, Phelps Road. Uh, <laughs> okay, back to 13 years in Mexico. Okay, so yeah, now, okay, so this is all going down in like 1964 that she went to Mexico, meets Francisco, shoots him dead in a hotel, gets, you know, 10, so 13 we, years. You've got three... Three murders and a a wounded arm over a four-year period, roughly. Uh, yes, because James was shot in March of 1960. Two months later, Patricia. And then now this in poor guy. four years later, after like... After the, the heat's died down and she's in Mexico. There ain't no heat died down. They're like, they're looking for, they got a dragnet going this whole time. Anyway, so she's done about five years in this Mexican penitentiary at this point, which brings us to December 1969. Oh, wow. We're way going ahead a little bit. Um, actually, we're kind of getting to the end of this story somewhat. Um, so, so anyway, in December 1969, she's in this Mexican prison. There's an electrical blackout. She sees her opportunity breaks free i don't know how i don't know if it was like a chain of sheets if like electricity like she had if, a rock hammer <laughs> if she had a rock hammer if she's just walking through the front door if she beat up a guard and took a uniform i don't know exactly what her what do you what do you what did you think i honestly uh i think if you're gonna be brazen enough to go to make out point hours after you murder somebody i'm thinking she just walked out any door she could try yeah, I totally, I'm with you on that. I feel like she just, 
it's like that uh what is it the if you if you're smuggling cocaine across the border what's the best way to do is just pretend like you're not smuggling cocaine across the border kind of thing i just i think she's just just project you're supposed to be walking out of here right now i think she was totally brazen about it and uh she just straight up walked out in the dark um now whether something was orchestrated on the outside once again i don't know to cause the blackout no was it a prison like she i mean if I, I can't imagine the blackout was orchestrated because they didn't was, write any details in this very detailed article about... I was going to ask, is it a prison blackout or a blackout in the whole area? It just said a prison blackout. Mm, so it could have been. She could have had... Maybe I she think had... maybe that it was just a fucking Mexican prison in the 60s <laughs> and they didn't have the best electricity, so they probably had a brownout. The <laughs> dude passed out inside the wheel. Anyway, um, I think at that point... She found, you know, of course, she makes her getaway. I think she got somewhere, made a phone call, had somebody pick her up, because she ain't been found to this day. To this day? To this day! She ain't been found. Hmm. She is uh, now 81, if she is still alive. They don't know if she has stayed in the Mexico area, or if she came back to Kansas City, or if she went to Washington State where she went when she was a kid, there are no clues whatsoever. Straight up, 1969, there's a blackout. She walks out of prison. That is it. She's a ghost. Hmm, do you think she's killed since then? Um, honestly, I mean, I'm going to kind of make a couple predictions, and I don't really feel like my predictions are really predictions for the fact that I feel like I cover all the bases, but I think she's either dead and buried in the fucking Mexican desert by people who were (laughs) just there. Um, Maybe, I don't know if, like, I know cartels are a bad thing there now. I don't know if they were back in the 60s, but, I mean, we got this white woman roaming the deserts or roaming fucking Mexico. This is going to seem odd. So, I think uh, if she's not murdered... I think she lived out her years. Shit, she's... I don't know. It's hard to speculate because it's it, she, this case is such reminiscent of, like, uh, the movie The Talented Mr. Ripley with Matt Damon. I know you haven't seen it, but, like, the whole time, he's, like, one step, one lie away from getting caught, but he's so just brazen and does not give a shit the whole time. And I think she's the same way. She has killed all these people for her benefit and gain. She has been brazen about it the whole time. Uh, She seizes any opportunity she can to benefit herself. And, yeah, I, I think she made a clean escape and lived out her years. And they're never gonna find out what happened. This is going to stay as is. Do, uh... Do we have any updates on what happened to her three kids? Did they stay in the area? Do we know where any of them are? I know, this like, day? okay, now I know Wikipedia isn't like the best informational source. What? However, you can see their names and click on them, and one of them has a picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it's Dana that has the picture. Um,. I believe they're still in the area, but I'm not 100% sure. I really didn't want to get into the kids too much because these people are still alive and still, 
of a decent age and still probably have lives and don't want to was, be bothered. Was Dana the one that shot? Dana was the one who shot her dad. So she's killed before. <laughs> Dana, Dana was hardcore before three. So, yes. That's bragging rights right there. We have three dead bodies, um, three trials, almost four trials, wait, five trials, <laughs> because she escaped before her fourth trial. So there was Patricia's, and then three for the husband that went down, and there was supposed to be a fourth for the husband. So she's had like th- three murders, three kids, all these boyfriends, uh, all these trials, fleeing to Mexico, running from blackouts. I mean, she's a liar and a and a ski a schemer and i don't think she's ever going to be found do you think or has there do you know that there's been a movie already done on this on this uh woman this case i don't believe there's a movie about it i haven't looked into that but there are like there's a deadly women episode there's an unsolved mysteries there's a couple different you know crime shows out there and of course tons of other podcasts about sharon kinney um i wanted to cover this case because it is a little sentimental to me watching unsolved mysteries as a younger child with my mom and thinking Ooh, this one's local and the fact that it is local and it's like and when Robert Stack is at the end like maybe you can solve this mystery I'm like ooh, maybe I can find Sharon Kinney or you know my delusional childhood thoughts that I had while watching Unsolved Mysteries or whatever at least he wasn't like town the dreaded sundown like who knows she could have moved back and now she's living next door to you alright so since there's not been a movie that we know of it's been done putting you on the spot who do we cast in this role who do you cast as her in the, Ooh, the movie Kenny. who um, plays Sharon Kinney in the major motion picture five, five trials three dead bodies and a single white female I don't know there's so many like I she'd have to be you know 20s into her 30s and stuff they do have an age progression photo of her released and it basically just what does it look like it looks terrible it's like <laughs> it looks like they just kind of drew some contoured lines over a young photo and grayed some hair and it's like this is terrible but like how accurate is this age progression photo i'm always you know curious when i see mug shots or age progression photos like how much does that really look like the person and i've not seen any and it's even worse in like movie movie uh effects like if you look to the back to the future movies when they do the old age makeup on leah thompson and shit like looks nothing really like how leah thompson ended up looking like she pretty much like i think leah thompson could have been the could have been the exception to the rule she looks like how she used to look just with if an artist drew contoured lines in certain areas on her face so i'll throw my first prediction out there uh, someone in their 20s that I think could sway a bunch of old white men. And, and could be like a pretty good, like, um, I don't know. Schmoozer. She's, she's very beguiling and gets what she wants, but she'll, she has, she's like a man-eater, you know? She's what Hall & Oates wrote their song about. Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus isn't really acting in movies. This uh, could be her breakout role. She's fucking Hannah Montana that's acting in shows. She's got acting experience. She's only Hannah Montana when she wears the wig. Okay, but Maneater, she looks like she could be that. 
I totally think she could manipulate a bunch of old white dudes. And I totally believe Miley Cyrus has probably killed at least three people by now. And she would totally seems like the type that'd blame on a two-year-old. So I'm going to come to Miley's defense on this and go, <laughs> I think you're wrong. Okay, um, then who you she's got She's too then? busy partying in the USA, you know? <laughs> yeah, then she had to go to Mexico because she partied a little too hard in the USA. <laughs> um, I don't really have, like, a, an actress coming to mind right now because uh, I totally forgot there was one detail in the husband trial that I totally forgot to go over and it was it's kind of a little bit of a funny note here so they get Johnny B to testify at the trial (laughs) and um let me find this on okay so um he uh Johnny B told the grand jury that in 1960 Sharon had offered him a thousand dollars to kill her husband. Um, <laughs> the same offer she offered the two-year-old. He then testified that they were seated in a parked car, probably at that Lover's Lane off of Phelps Road, uh, as he remarked, "Quote, man, I'd like to carry you off if you wasn't married." End quote. Miss Kinney then replied with, "Well, I'll give you a grand, and you can bump off my old man." End quote. He told her that he wouldn't do that. He said that they and he said that they both laughed about it, and that he really <laughs> thought it was a joke. Wouldn't it be funny if you killed my husband? <laughs> uh, seriously, I got a thousand dollars right now. She's getting ready to get twenty nine thousand. I mean, she'll still do good with twenty eight thousand if she yeah, gave him a grand. That's still roughly in today's money. What two hundred and Let's 60, just say two hundred thousand dollars. It was like two hundred sixty-five thousand. Yeah, you, t- you shave a little bit off that. Yeah, you can hire someone to do that kind of dirty work. Who does? No one does that. <laughs> Who has joked about murdering someone? I mean, and it's not ended up at some point ended up being a murder case. The person who blamed a two-and-a-half-year-old for shooting someone in the back of the head. Which is why I'm putting my money on Miley Cyrus will play this role in the major motion picture. Okay, well. Um, let me think about this and on the next episode when we discuss <laughs> the next case or next story. Um, I will try to have a Sharon Kinney movie pick for you. The actress of your choice. I'm just, I'm trying to think of somebody who kind of looks like her. Would you want to pick like multiple actresses? So you have like 15 year old her, 20 something her, and then. Let's say old age, her like fucking young guns too. She's Billy the Kid, just out with a poncho and a hat, just wandering the fucking Mexican desert, telling random people, "I was Sharon Kinney. I've killed three and wounded a man in the arm." I'm all wanted in Kansas City. She carries a wanted poster around. She made up herself. <laughs> I mean, these are not out of the realms of possibility. So that's the best part is that she could be out there still, being like. I'm her. I did it. I killed all of them. And uh, I truly believe, and with our judicial system, that if she did came out, if Sharon, 81-year-old Sharon Kinney came out today and was like, okay, I'm Sharon Kinney, here I am, they are going to make her serve her jail time. Fast-track her to the chair. They took the death penalty off. Remember, that was the whole technical irregularity kind of thing judicial irregularity I think they called it but um, no because I mean look at the Golden State Killer that guy was old as fuck and they finally got him 
<laughs> um, so um, we're waiting for that unsolved mysteries update on the episode or, of Sharon Kenny. Yep. Um, they were they're gonna have to update it on the new unsolved mysteries that's on Netflix now. Which that series they've got two seasons going down so far, and one of those cases from the second season is kind of local as well. It's about um, a gentleman from Gardner, Kansas, went to a party with some friends, ends up dead in a field. We'll get into that at a later time. Alonzo Brooks was his name. That's a future story. Yes. Uh, so that is something I do want to revisit because of my love of unsolved mysteries. Um, so that kind of brings us to a little bit of closure here. Um, she's killed all these people. Blackout in the prison. She walks out the front door. Well, I'm saying she walked out the front door. I, I, she I'm got out somehow. That. I don't know, like, the logistics of this Mexican prison. But <laughs> she, she she beat up one of the guards, put on the get-up, and she's like, Oh, long day. This is a shitty situation. This blackout here. Well, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Tough right. day working as this prison guard in Mexico. Hola. Uh, I mean, who knows if she's still running today, if she's an old lady, if she got murdered in the Mexican desert. She's living next door to you. <laughs> on that note... Uh, thank you for listening and joining us in this first initial episode of The Housewife of Horrors. I'm Housewife Regina, and this is my trusty, once-in-a-while co-host, Evil. <laughs> Until she replaces me. Well, I feel like some of these shows I might be able to kind of talk about just by myself, but I, I think having you here is a nice sounding board. Um, I can do it's... without some of your comments all the time when I'm trying to get through this timeline of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to put something in there. I just thought it'd be nice, you know, to not seem like you're a crazy person just sitting and talking to yourself the whole time. But if, if popular opinion doesn't want me back, then I have no problem stepping aside and letting a gentler, softer voice uh, just rule the airwaves on this. Okay, so before we go, I do have an Instagram page, which is Housewife of Horrors, and the horror is pluralized. Uh, just one housewife, but multiple horrors here. Um, <laughs> so that's hashtag Housewife of Horrors. I also have a Facebook page, same name, Housewife of Horrors. You guys, if you want to hear a specific case, it doesn't have to be Kansas City related. It can, it could be something that scares you maybe something scares you as a kid scares you today whatever if it's something that you know is horror related in your life and you want to hear me do some research into it drop me a line i'm more than happy to research i got a few ideas going but then after my ideas i'm gonna need some more so feel free to drop me a line thank you for joining us for our initial show and if you also want to drop some feedback that's cool too uh they um, the pages are there for, you know, you to say whatever you suck or do this case or, you know, whatever you want to say. Five star ratings are very much welcomed. Yes. So um, anyway, I feel like I'm going to keep rambling. So we're going to wrap this up. Thank you for joining us. And hopefully the next show will be a little smoother. I won't have to <laughs> like flip through my notes so much. I'll kind of be a little more on point. I'm a little nervous. So next episode, we'll, she will the housewife here will graduate to the board with the yarn strings tied to it to the photographs of corpses and oh, such. Oh, that Charlie Day meme where I'm yes. like pointing to this to point to that and this means this and this all equals this. Yes, I fully intend to wake up to you just having not slept for a day and you're like, I'm ready for the next show. Look at all this I have ready to go. 
Let's uh, do it right now. I have to get the board first. So if you see me come in with like a rolling tack board. When? When I see you. Then you can get worried. Oh, things just got real. So that brings us to the end of our show and our episode about Sharon Kinney. Uh, feel free to drop us a line. Drop me a line. Um, <laughs> don't don't ask me for shit. <laughs> anyway, thank you, and you guys have a great day, and stay scary.